Hello, everybody. Can everybody say g'day? g'day. Any Australians in the house? No? Oh, no. I'm not supposed to talk about sports. Anyhow. <laughs> We've come to the end of the series called Pursue. Are you excited about this last sermon? I am. I'm going to need help. I need help from the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Father, your son, your children, your friends, we come boldly because we are righteous in your sight. And, and I come and I ask for the unction and the utterance and the flow of the Holy Spirit and, and everything that needs to happen to happen in this time and in this place so that your word will be magnified, that your son will be lifted up. We love you, Lord, by the way. And, um, and that the truth of your word will be put deep into people's hearts. And that this word would be hammered, not just, just driven into the depths of the hearts of people, and from that seed of the word, there will come forth a harvest. Yes, yes. And from that harvest, there will come forth a harvest, not just of the fruit of the Spirit, and then the gifts of the Spirit, and the move of the Spirit, but a harvest of souls who are coming to know you like we know you. Yeah. In Jesus' name, yeah. amen. Amen. Do you know God loves people? He's really interested in people. 1 Corinthians 14, and the pursue, sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. But earnestly desire and zealously cultivate the greatest and best gifts and graces. And I spoke last week about God is a supernatural God, and we will birth supernaturally. And if, it, if this harvest is going to be reaped. We're going to have to do it a supernatural way. Doesn't mean we're going to be weird, but we're going to have to do it in a supernatural way. And that may be challenging to some of us. That may stretch our thinking. I want to say this to us now before I even get started on the sermon, but don't limit God. Don't let your natural thinking and your natural way of seeing things limit God God's ability to move through you to other people. You think about it. It's all, it's all a matter of perspective. You look at an ant. There might be an ant in here somewhere. But if you could see an ant right now, it has a very limited perspective. It's viewed probably about that far. you know, And that's all it can see of the world. And that's all it knows. Now if an ant looks at us, we're like a, we are like a walking mountain to an ant. Every step we take, boom, the ant goes, what in the world is that? And we're, we don't even know. We're just walking past. Because we're so much bigger and vaster than an ant. And our perspective is so much more than an ant. So what an ant will, will look at and go, a walking mountain? That's impossible. Boom, boom. Wearing a New Zealand, no, no. Ah, walking mountain. And that, see, and that limits an ant's perspective because that's all it knows. And, and there's us walking past an ant going, man, look at that little ant. Such a cute little thing. But our perspective is so much vaster. And then you look at God. And so sometimes in our natural thinking we go, oh, that can't happen. That's impossible. There's no way that could ever possibly happen. 
Now that's because we're looking at it in our own perspective, in our own natural limitations, and not looking through God's eyes. Because I tell you what, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Creator of all heaven and earth, He has a different perspective than you and I in the natural. And so when he looks at a nation and, and the nation says, we belong to this people and to this God and your message will never come into here, he just goes, we'll see. We'll see. And he looks at a, a, he looks at a situation and the doctor says, it's impossible. You know when man says something, man will say something like, there's nothing that can be done. Well, we can't, man says this, we can't do anything. And what man really means is there's nothing that can be done. So you might get a report, doctor comes up to you. I'm sorry, but we can't do anything. And what, what the doctor really means is this, there's nothing that can be done. Because that's what they're telling you. Well, Guess what? Man is limited in our technology. We are limited in our knowledge. We are limited in our ability. But there's a greater one. There's a greater one who still lives, who still reigns, who's still on fire, who still loves you, who still wants to do great things in our lives. And when the greater one says, you can be healed, oh my goodness, you can be healed. I should really stick to my notes. <laughs> But I'm, I'm excited about today. So let's have a quick review of the gift of faith. Uh, last week I, I spoke predominantly on the gift of faith and I, and I wrote down um, the definition of the gift of faith. The gift of faith is supernatural endowment by the Spirit of God whereby a believer is empowered to receive miracles. I, I describe it this way. This is my own, my own devotion time of, with the Lord. I would like to take the credit for this, but I can't because he gave it to me. He said, I wrote down this, Jesus loans you some of his wonder-working faith so that a wonder can be worked. Yeah. <laughs> That's my definition of the gift of faith. Amen? Yeah. He's still the same. I just want to exalt people today. I just want to encourage people that God is still the same. How do we know when we are flowing the Holy Spirit? There's some certain things that I, I wanted to really want to get across today. But we know when someone's flowing with the Holy Spirit, when the gift of the Spirit in operation, because God will never move contrary to His Word. Listen, you know this book here? The Bible? This book keeps you safe. God wants us to be a supernatural people, definitely. Without a doubt, we were born supernaturally. We grew up, you know, we're supernatural beings. But here's the thing, and God wants us to move in the supernatural, but that doesn't mean we necessarily just chase the supernatural because there are things out there in the supernatural realm that aren't God. And so you can start to chase See, that's why we need to seek after the Father, seek after Jesus, seek after God, because by seeking after God, naturally supernatural should flow. But if you just chase supernatural things, mm -hmm. 
then you can get into problems because there are supernatural things aside of God. Out there are things out there in the supernatural realm that you just start, start chasing them, you're going to get in a world of pain. So this book will keep you safe. It shows you how God moves. It shows you how, how he's going to do things. It shows you how, how he is. One of the aspects of someone who's flowing with the Holy Spirit, very important, it's always in love. Faith works by love. God is not an embarrasser. Love covers a multitude of sins. So it's always going to be done in a loving way. One of the things about someone who flows in the Holy Spirit, it will exalt Jesus. Jesus said this, the Spirit testifies of me. So it'll lift Jesus up. It won't lift up a man. If someone's really flowing the Holy Spirit, you, you should leave going, wow, God was good today. Instead of saying, wow, that preacher, he was awesome. No, we, we yield ourselves as much as we can so that Jesus will be exalted and he will be lifted up. Because that's what it's all about. I wanted to highlight this aspect too, that just because someone is flowing in supernatural gifts doesn't necessarily make them spiritually mature. Because sometimes we can look at someone flowing in the supernatural gifts and think they must be a very mature believer. Actually, the Bible doesn't say that. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. Turn with me. These are just things that I, when, I, when I pray, when I get in my prayer and devotion time and I'm seeking what God wants to say, during a sermon, these pop up and, and then if, if he says, you need to share this, I need to share it. So 1 Corinthians 14, 26. How is it, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching. Are you guys there? Yeah. Good. Has a tongue. Sounds like the gift of tongues. Has a revelation. Sounds like some of the gifts of uh, revelation, word of knowledge, word of wisdom being released there. Has an interpretation. Sounds like the interpretation of tongues. So they all have, you can see that the gifts of the Spirit are being manifested in the Corinthian church. But then when you jump to 1 Corinthians 3, speaking about the same church, verse 1, And I, brethren, cannot speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal as two babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you are not able to receive it, for even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So you note this. They got the gifts of the Spirit operating. And yet the same church... God inspires the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit inspires Paul. Write this down. Tell them they're still carnal. Why is that? Because gifts, they require no development in you. They're just freely given. You can get born again and saved and start speaking with the gift of tongues just like that. Does that mean that you are spiritually mature? No. It just means you've learned how to yield. Yeah. Now, as someone matures and develops spiritually and they get closer and, and they hear the voice of the Lord, they should 
be able to yield more and more and more. But just to look at someone and say that they're flowing in the gifts doesn't, doesn't automatically, I should say, ensure that they are mature believers. And that's when you look at someone's life, their character, the fruit of the Spirit. And you say, wow, they are gifted, but what's their character like? Amen? Amen. Amen. So we've got to have that balance. And we've got, to, we've got to understand that, because that's what he's, he spoke to me to share today. Just because someone is supernaturally gifted in a certain area doesn't necessarily mean that they are spiritually mature. And so, someone said, told me once, you can live by that man's teaching, but you can't live by that man's life. So we've got to be people on both sides, gifted and character. Because that's the people God wants to use, people of honor. So let's go on the gifts of healings. Definition of gifts of healings. Definition. The gifts of healings are for the supernatural healings of disease that infirm people without natural means of any source. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. I'm biased towards the gospel of Matthew because I think it's the best gospel. <laughs> That's just my personal opinion, by the way. It's not scripture. <laughs> Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. And as you're turning there, I just want to encourage everybody. God is still a supernatural working God. And, and, and medical science, it has limitations. And we don't mock doctors. Let me get this right. Doctors, nurses, everybody involved with the NHS, you guys are awesome. And you guys are great. And, and with the knowledge and the technology and the abilities that, that you have, man, you can do great things. Change people's lives. Give them new hips, lips, and, and, and all sorts of stuff. But you know, hey, careful. Yes, I didn't say anything. But you know... <laughs> See, to the pure, all things are pure. <laughs> I was taking this in a pure way. So, anyhow, but there's a limitation that, to our knowledge. Do you know our knowledge is continuously changing? There was a moment in time when we said it's impossible to fly. Impossible. Can't be done. Man cannot fly. If God wanted us to fly, he would have given us wings. People used to say that. Impossible. And then, now we can fly. We build machines. It's impossible to get to the moon. If God wanted us to get to the moon, he would have put us on the moon. We've gotten to the moon. And so our technology and our ability is constantly changing and advancing. And that's awesome and that's great. But there's always a limitation to what we got. But with God, there's no limitations. God, the supernatural Father, the one who loves you. Oh, he ain't limited. Matthew 8, verse 1. And when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if, conditional, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing 
be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priests, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. I love what he said there. Lord, awesome words. I love your words. I am willing. Be cleansed. The gifts of healings, I'll tell you this now, in the New Testament, the gifts of healings are manifested in a much greater volume than in the Old Testament. You read the Old, you'll see healings in the Old. You see Naaman, dip seven times in the River Jordan, you'll be healed. Look at the serpent on the, on the cross, yep, on the staff, you'll be healed. So you see healings in the Old Testament, but you hit the New Testament, and man, it just like, boom, it goes up. I like that sound effect. Boom. But, but it shoots up. And you want to know why? I was praying about it. Lord, why is there so much, more, so much more manifestation of the gifts of healings? Why do you say I'm so willing? In the Old Testament, your name was there. I'm the Lord that healeth thee. But yet in the New Testament, it's, it just skyrockets. Why is that? He spoke to my heart. He said, son, because in this covenant, it's a covenant of love. God, I am love. You read first, you read John, the letters of John, I read those a lot. But man, the heartbeat of God, the love he has for people, shines forth. It's like, I want to emphasize my love for people. Any parent who's had a child and has had them sick and, and sickly, you should know, it's like, man, I want my child to be strong. I want him to get over this. I want my daughter to be healthy. I remember when I was fighting a fever in Samoa. In Samoa, there's some interesting fevers, diseases and stuff that go around that they don't have in New Zealand. And, and I was struggling. And my mom just stayed up for four days, just changing water, ice, more water, calm me down, cool me down. Then she put me under these sheets so I could sweat like anything. I don't know whether that was God or not. But anyhow, she just stayed with me for four days. Constant, looking after me. Why? She loved me. Yeah, right. I, in my own personal heart, I don't think there's any, there's, the healing is such a manifestation of his love for you. Yeah. Yeah. And when Jesus says, I am willing, be cleansed, don't you dare let the devil talk you out of your blessing. Wow, that's right. That's right. Don't you dare let the enemy fool you. I am willing. Be cleansed. Jesus is the living representation, the, the physical representation of an invisible God. So if he says, I am willing, the Father is saying, I am willing. And so he's willing. I don't, whatever it may be, you can be healed today. All it takes is faith. You stretch forth your hand of faith and receive. That's the gifts of healings. For those of you taking notes, that occurs in Acts as well. In fact, just read the book of Acts. There's so much that happens in there. Acts 9, Acts 28, there's just so many healings in Acts. 
But church, don't let the uh, this is don't let the enemy rob you. The enemy will come up to you and whisper in your ear, yeah, that's okay for Pastor Matthew, he's a pastor, and that's okay for the stewards, but you're just not good enough to be healed. You need to do this and that and this and that and this and that, and then maybe God will contemplate healing you. It's a gift of healing. Gifts are freely given. In Psalm 1, the word gift is male offer. Translation, Allah is love, mare is thing, or uh, mare is like object or thing. So a rough translation would be something given out of love. Is that right? Oh, I'm good. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Had to confirm with the one who actually knows the language better than me. But, but that's what it means. Something given out of love. And so it don't matter what you've done yesterday. It don't matter how perfect or how your devotion time is going. Man, God loves you. And he wants to manifest himself in your life. And there'll be times, follow after love. There'll be times, I'm preaching, or pastor, I, I know the pastors like this. Sometimes we just get pulled to certain sides of the, of the congregation because we need to speak to someone on that side. Or we end up looking at someone. Last week, I followed after love. Follow after love. I was standing there, I looked, and bang, the love of God went towards Alicia. And that's when I started speaking. I follow after love. And you might see some people, and your heart will go out towards them. And God might say something like, I want you to go right now, lay your hands on them, and minister healing unto them. But Lord, I'm not a pastor, and I'm not a minister, I'm not in the fivefold ministry. I'm just a child of God. Awesome! That's all you need to be. Isn't that right, Julian? Yes. I love that. <laughs> but that's all you need to be. You are a child of God. Not a child of, of the enemy. Not a child of a pitifully weak, inadequate being. You are a child of God. And you've got to wrap your mind around that. Because your heart's saying, that's true. Your mind might be going, really? Yes. And that's why you've got to take that first step of faith. You're always going to have to start off in your own initial step of faith. But he's in you. All you've got to do is to have faith and step out. Be led by the Holy Spirit, of course. I mean, you all heard that story last week where my brother looked at my knee, just read the book about Kenneth Hagen and decided to initiate something. I love, sometimes I think God puts me through those situations just so that I have something to share about what not to do or what to do. I don't know. I don't, well, I don't That's what I think sometimes. But be led and, and follow up to love and, when, and have the courage and the boldness to be a, a son and a daughter of the Most High 
and just go and do it. That's why I love people who, I love, I love people who, who are willing to hit the streets because they just go out and do it. I love people who share the word. They just go out and do it. I love people who, who, who just see someone walking down the street and God says, you need, you need to go give them 20 pounds right now, and they just go and do it. Get used to taking orders. It's called the kingdom of God. Not the democracy. I know that we live in a democratic society, and that's what we're used to. But when the king says, go, ah, oh, you're meant to go. <laughs> when he says, lay hands, lay hands, he's not nasty. He's not mean. He's love. But I'll say this now. If you can't take orders from, from men, if you struggle to be told what to do by people, then the chances are very low that you're going to obey God when he tells you what to do. Because the way you are with people is the way you are with God. Because you are who you are. So get used to taking orders or get used to receiving instruction. That's a better way of saying it. Get used to receiving instruction and direction. Why? Because then God knows, I can, I can do something with that person. They are soft-hearted. See, that's why God loves Alicia. Soft-hearted. Sorry, Alicia, putting you on the spot. I don't like to do that. <coughs> the working of miracles. Definition of working of miracles. Supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature. I have an example of working miracle. The difference between the gift of healing and working miracle. Gift of healing would be like this. You injure your hand. It's smashed up beyond belief. And then someone comes over, lays hands on it, prays, healed. That would be a gift of healing. Working miracle is you injure your hand. It has to be imitated. There is no hand. Someone comes over, lays hands, prays, bang, a new hand comes out. That's a miracle. See? Can you see the difference? It's pretty vivid, isn't it? Miracles. They're all throughout the Bible. One of my favorite ones is Exodus 14, verse 21 to 22, the parting of the Red Sea. I like that. Can you imagine that? You're standing there. You're going to die. We're going to die. Moses raises up a staff. And the Bible says God caused a great wind to come. And a sea, a vast body of water, decides to split in front of you. Half goes up the left. Wait, yes, that's left for you, isn't it? Half goes up the left. Half goes up the right. And you walk through. And the Bible says they walk through on dry land. Isn't that amazing? That really happened. They walked through. I mean, I, I, just imagine that. You're walking through, water going there, water going there. You see fish swimming through going, wow, that's amazing. I must not look at that. Fish. Wow, who would have known so many fish in the Red Sea? We can see them now. 
wow, it's still dry. And they just walk through. That's amazing. That's a working of miracles. Joshua calling out saying, Lord, stop the sun and moon because we need help to beat these guys. They're Malachites. Okay. And the sun and moon stop. That's a miracle. That's your father. That's my father. He hasn't changed. <laughs> he still wants to do some things. One of the best miracles I like, Matthew 14, verse 22. Working of a miracle. Oh, if you would just believe. If you would just believe. If you would be a people of this word and ask me to reveal and ask me to show things and ask me to put it into your hearts. And then faith would rise. And then some of the things that you've been begging and asking for, you would see. Because then you would have the faith to take that initial step and I'll hook up. But faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So you must be a people of the word. Must be a people of the word. So in Matthew 14, verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while when he sent the multitudes away. When he sent the multitudes away, whoops, wait, yes, yep, no, sorry. Verse 24, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. So note that, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Wow. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. What is he saying? Don't lose your faith. Because faith and fear, they are opposites. And if you start to get into fear, you start to fret and worry, I tell you now, you're not in faith. That's probably the, not the English way to say it. You are not in faith. And Peter answered him and said, and I like Peter. I mean, I love Peter's audacity. He gets himself into trouble now and then because of his just sheer stupidity sometimes and, and just getting out and let's see what happens. But he was always willing to do something. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, it is, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Miracle. That's a working miracle because it, to, uh, let's be honest, it's not natural for a man to walk on water. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Verse 28, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He did the first thing right. He got a word from God. He heard from the Lord. Now for you and I, because Jesus is not standing there personally, how would we hear from God? We would either hear from the word or in a, in a natural situation in life, we would hear from the Holy Spirit. Jesus would speak to us through the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus said, 
come. So he gets his word. And when Peter come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Peter's walking, working a miracle. He's doing a miracle. See, that's the key. What's Jesus telling me to do? You do this? All right, let's do that. And that's how miracles happen. So simple. In verse 30, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. You know what the amazing thing is? He steps out of the boat. And we know from from previous in Scripture that the wind was already boisterous. So he steps out of the boat. He gets a riff on the Lord. He starts walking on water. The moment he started walking on water, the wind was already boisterous. Nothing had changed. So he's walking, he's walking, he's got a miracle, he's got a miracle, he's looking at Jesus, and nothing, the situation has not changed whatsoever. And then he takes his eyes off Jesus and onto the situations, which, which is the exact same situation which he started off with. And then he goes, no, it's impossible for me to walk on water because the wind is a bit boisterous. Have you really thought about that? It's, he should be thinking, actually, it's impossible for me to walk on water, so what am I worried about? And just keep going. See, he, he let the circumstances rob him of his miracle. He was already working a miracle. He was already walking on water. When he started walking on water, the wind was already boisterous. As he got closer to Jesus, the wind was already boisterous. It's only when he acknowledged the wind was already boisterous and, and he used, and that took away his fear. That became his excuse. No, it's impossible for me to walk on water. Of course it's impossible for you to walk on water. No one can walk on water. It's not natural. But because the wind is boisterous, no, that's why it's impossible for me to walk on water. It's funny how our minds and our thinking can rob us even when we are already walking in a miracle. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and said, caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I've always, I've always read that going, he was the only one that got out of the boat, you know. At least he got... I think, Lord, everyone else just cowered in the boat. He gets out, starts walking. I mean, he's walking. He actually walked it. He actually worked the miracle. And he's getting towards you, and, and then he starts to fade, and, and you go, oh, you little faith. You know, he spoke to my heart. He said, once you start walking by faith, you start walking by faith. And you continue walking by faith. And you never stop walking by faith. And once a child of God is born by faith, they're meant to live by faith and keep growing by faith and developing your faith. And you never stop doing that by faith. Yes. Yes. And you, your eyes might look at the circumstances and your eyes might look at the natural things. No, you started this walk by faith and you continue it forever by faith. John 2. John chapter 2. Verse 
John chapter 2. Oh, Lord, make this real to people. Yes, that's right. John chapter 2. So glad. Thank you, Pablo, for loaning me your Bible, by the way. I got woken up this morning, and the Lord said to me, you need to preach from a Bible, and you need to write out your sermon notes. I was like, that's really old school. (laughs) You know me. I'm technology, iPad, Samsung Galaxy Tab. Lord, come on, I've already got it set. He says, preach from a Bible. Use, write down your notes. And I was like, hey, I'm submitted. <laughs> so I, was, I was like, I really don't understand why. Just do it. Okay, yeah, right. So anyhow, see, when God tells you to do something, if you're smart, you'll do it. I've gotten used to having technology and having the iPad and stuff and and so I had that all set up, and then I woke up this morning real early, and he just really strong in my heart. I want you to do this. You know, I opened up my Bible, and I said, not my Bible, Papa's Bible, unless you give it to me, but no, it's yours. But I opened it up, and, and I started flicking through it, and I realized, you know, I'm not as fast as I used to be in this thing. I used to flick back and forth, bang, 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 bang. I, I would know everything. Deuteronomy 28, sometimes I just go, bang, I'm at Deuteronomy 28. I tried to do that, and I was like, Oh, wow, this is why he wanted me to do this. So on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they had no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? disrespectful. No, he was never disrespectful. My hour has not yet come. And this is the key to a miracle. Because this is his first recorded working of a miracle. He turned water into wine. Where the chemical composition was H2O and then it became something that wasn't H2O. (laughs) I just realized, I don't know the chemical composition of wine. (laughs) But Four of you doctors, whatever, I'm sure you can let me know what it is later. But it isn't H2O, I can tell you that. (laughs) So his mother said to his servants, and this is the key, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there was set there six water pots of stone according to the amount of purification of the Jews containing 20, 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill up the water pots with water. So they did that, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said, draw some up now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water, that was made wine. And they didn't know where it came from. So that's all it took. He said this, fill it up with water. Take some to the master. How simple is that? But obedience to Jesus led to a working of miracles. And no matter how simplistic it may seem to you, if Jesus tells you to do it, then do it. Because that's the key to the working of miracles. That's the key to see something, a, a supernatural intervention in the natural course of nature.
Man, Mary had some wisdom. Whatever he says to you, do it. So in conclusion, I was meant to talk on the gifts of gifts of the power gifts, gifts of faith, the gift, the gift of faith, the gifts of healings, the work in miracles. That's the word for us today. So I'm not going to call anyone up for prayer or anything like that. But we're going to pray. Please rise to your feet. Because that's the word for us today. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Whatever he tells you to do, (laughs) do it. And you would say, that's it? That's it? No high degree of sophistication? Don't need to memorize a whole bunch of, or all 66 books of the Bible? No, if you have developed a degree of sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, and you can hear His voice, and if, you can be, if you're willing to take a step of faith, then whatever He tells you to do, then you do it. And then we will see the release of the supernatural in our lives. And we will see gifts of healings. And we'll see the working miracles. And we'll see gifts of faith released. And we'll see the revelation gifts and the utterance gifts and the power gifts. And we'll see the body of Christ be all it's meant to be. For if this continent should ever come back, it must see the body of Christ rise to everything it's meant to be. Whatever he tells you to do, you do it. So let us make this commitment right now, right here. Keep your eyes closed, please. Because here's the thing. If you say that I'm going to do it, then he will ask you to do things. And he will ask you to be a person of faith. And he will ask you to step out. And he will ask you to, to get out of your comfort zone. And he will ask you to bring him glory. And he will ask you to live a life of praise for him. And he will ask you to live a life of daring. And, and he says in his word, be bold, be, be strong, and good courage. Because that's what taking steps of faith is about, being a person of boldness and courage. And whatever he tells you to do, yeah. do it. So I'm going to ask for those of you who are who want to be used by God. He might say something up and party in the park. He might say, go speak to that person. I don't know. But you're his body. He's the head. You're his body. He wants to do something in this world. He wants to impact people's lives. He wants them to know him. And that means he'll work through you. So if you are willing to be used by God in any way, shape, or form, if you're open, just lift up, keep your eyes closed, but just raise your hands. Because he wants to do something in our lives. 
Hallelujah. For those of you whose hands are raised, keep them up. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I ask, fill these people afresh from the inside out with your Holy Spirit. Remove any fear or doubt from them. May they be a people, they are a people of the Word and the Spirit. And they are raising their hands unto you right here, right now. And they are making a, we are making a commitment that whatever you say to us to do, we will do. Whatever it may be, no matter how small or how obscure or how large, whatever it may be, Father. But we commit ourselves, all of us who have our hands raised, And these words, speak these words after me. Whatever he says for me to do, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I mean this from my heart. Father, that's the word that came forth from our lips, from our hearts. And whatever he tells you to do, child, you do. And this nation will come back to him again. And this nation shall see the power and the love and the grace of God. And this nation will once again say, Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord.